The red wave is coming. There is no doubt even the mainstream media is forced to admit every model is predicting a massive red wave. The question is not if there's going to be one. How big is it going to be? And I think it is going to be gargantuan. The Democrats here are going to be humiliated. Dozens of races that are supposed to be easy wins for the Democrats, supposed to be cakewalks. They're suddenly neck and neck. You have Democrats that have been in Congress for years and years who it was like they used to run unopposed. No Republican would even bother to spend the money and no, or raise the money. And now they're suddenly fighting for their political survival. And you know what? People are furious. Voters are furious. They're furious about inflation. They're furious about crime. They're not thinking about Roe v. Wade, okay? Nobody's sitting there and uh, struggling to pay the bills, worried they're going to be evicted from their house, or they can't afford food, or they go hungry some days, or they can't buy their children basic necessities, basic, you know, staples, and they're saying, well, but you know what? Roe v. Wade, I think I'm going to vote for the Democrat, you know, or they're or they're afraid of taking a subway. They're afraid of getting shoved onto the tracks. But uh, I, I think I'm going to go vote Democrat because the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, which the Supreme Court did not even do. But we're not getting into that right now. They know who to blame. They're not happy. People are miserable. They're going to be some huge upsets. And even MSNBC says that the Democrats are panicking because essentially, and they're saying it in a subtle way, but they're covering their backs because they know what's coming. Meanwhile, polling indicates voters are only voting based on the, the inflation, only voting on the economy. And that's always how it is. It's always what it boils down to, except in very, very rare in, uh, exceptions. And polling shows that oh, the voters only trust the Republicans to fix inflation. That's not a surprise. Listen to this poll, uh, a political poll. That's that slants left. Usually 93 percent of voters are concerned about inflation. Three out of four Democrats say the economy will play a role in their decision. And that same poll says 46 percent of voters trust Republicans in Congress to handle inflation. Only 37 percent trust Democrats. And believe me, that poll is slanted. The numbers are much bigger than that pro-Republican, a Trafalgar group poll found 58.9% of voters believe a Democrat-controlled Congress will hurt the economy. 41% believe that Democrat-controlled Congress will help the economy. Jen Psaki, former press secretary for Biden, says Democrats are kind of worried about the election. That is a direct quote from Jen Psaki. Democrats are kind of worried. For Psaki to say that, say kind of worried, is a bombshell. What she's really saying is, help! We're all going to crumble here. The Democrats are going to get on the verge of a massive collapse. We're in a complete frenzy. I mean, they're bracing themselves for an earthquake. For That's what Jem Psaki means when she says kind of worried. And let's look at and I'm going to go state by state here shortly. But obviously, New York state is being focused on not just by all of us, but by the entire country right now is focused on Zeldin and Hochul. I mean, Zeldin crushed. We we did that interview with Moshe Hill. Zeldin crushed, crushed. Kathy Hochul. He decimated Kathy Hochul. She was the deer in the headlights. She had no, well, what's she going to say? What's she going to say? I'm a terrible governor. Look at my track record. Crime is out of control. The economy in New York is tanking. People are moving out in droves, flocking out. And, uh, and, 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 and Hochul's a total embarrassment. So there's nothing for her to say. All she could say is, well, Zeldin supported Trump. Oh, Zeldin supported January 6th. He wanted to overturn the election. Oh, well, that's, that, that, that you could not be any weaker or more pitiful. I mean, that argument is just ridiculous. But 
Hokel, she was she was weak, she was monotonous, she was confused, no substance, and Zeldin, you know, he laid he pounded away. He was well prepared. He had a ton of substance. You know, it wasn't like the earlier Zeldin in the debate against the Republicans during the primaries where Zeldin, he used these kind of like nicknames and he was, you know, a little bit more informal here. He was like very professional, very polished, you know, really like, uh, you know, strong, uh, like a strong leader. That's how he came across, you know, somebody who just exudes confidence and wants to step in and make major changes. So I believe that New York, I am extremely confident that Zeldin's going to going to win New York. York. Meanwhile, uh, we know President Biden called the Square Rebbe. I mean, this this to me is astonishing. Biden called multiple Hasidic Rebbe's. Now, we know that the politicians do pander to the Rebbe's because, you know, they get these big blocks. They do this one phone call. If they, get, I don't think Biden's going to necessarily get the endorsement he was looking for. We'll see. I, I'll get to that in a moment. But um, but that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to get, you know, the, 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 the Rebbe tells, uh, you know, his has followers whom to vote for, you know, and endorses a certain candidate. And then, of course, that gives the politician a huge block just with that little bit of effort. So we understand why it's happening. But the president of the United States calling the square rep, I cannot remember that happening. Could be it has. Uh, and he wasn't calling Biden. According to the reports, Biden was not calling specifically about the Hochul Zeldin race, which is interesting because Biden's much more worried about Congress right now and Democrat leaders. We know Democrats are going to lose the House and, and Almost definitely the Senate, but they, they don't even have the Senate now. It's tied, but they're going to, you know, the Republicans are going to take the Senate. But uh, it, that Biden's really worried about a huge embarrassment. I mean, I'm talking humiliation because there are some Democrats in the House who have been around who are like the literally the top Democrats uh, in the House leaders who are uh, about to to go down, who are about to be embarrassed in a huge upset. So Biden was calling about. The New York 17 congressional district, which includes Muncie, that includes Rockland County. And that just tells you everything you need to know. I mean, for a president to call a Hasid Shereba concerned about a congressional race is, is just unprecedented. He wasn't calling about a governor or a senator. And that shows you how big a race this is. Why? Because it's Sean Patrick Maloney. He's the Democrat. He is a top Democrat. He's like the number three or four most powerful Democrat in Congress. And he's about to be humiliated by Republican Mike Lawler. Lawler is a good friend of the Jewish community. Um, and if Maloney loses, it's going to be devastating. He's the head of the Democrat Congressional Committee. So, like, he's supposed to be the shoe-in. It's really interesting. Uh, it, this guy, Maloney, he's supposed to be the shoe-in. He's the guy whose seat is just so incredibly safe that even a, a cup of coffee with a with a D on it could win the race. And yet... He is now in a race neck and neck fighting for his political survival. And Biden is calling to request an endorsement of him. Now, is that endorsement, as far as I'm aware, you know, the Rebbe, usually he doesn't endorse a candidate till a day or two before. So we have to wait and see. But he said he's going to, you know, uh, he I believe he told Biden you know, that he's going to uh, pass the message along to the to the square like endorsement committee to make the decision. So it, it almost seems like he kind of like sidestepped Biden and almost like insulted Biden. It reminds you of other people who Biden has begged for something and they say, oh, you know what? I'll think about it because nobody, nobody's intimidated by Biden. All right. So let's dive into the breakdown here of the state by state races in the Senate for a moment. It's pretty fascinating uh, because there are several uh, Senate seats that like were not even in play a few weeks ago that are now neck and neck and now toss ups. So here are the states that are out of reach for Democrats, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Ohio, 
Republicans are going to win. Here are the states that are likely Republican, Nevada, Georgia and Pennsylvania. Those were supposed to be, you know, close, tight races. But it seems now that, you know, Pennsylvania, obviously, we've got Dr. Oz, that whole mess with with Fetterman. You feel bad for Fetterman. I feel bad for this person because it's it's very hard. It's difficult to watch. And it's it's sad what's happened to him, you know, health, from a health perspective. But there's no question to me, Dr. Oz is going to win in Pennsylvania. Georgia, you got the whole Herschel Walker situation. And uh, I, I believe he's going to win Georgia. That's not a guarantee. Nevada. Very possibly will swing Republican. Now, if those happen, that's 52 states. Okay, if you have North Carolina, Ohio, Wisconsin, Republican and Nevada, Georgia, PA, that's already 52 states. But it could get all the way up to 58 states. It's a long shot, but the Republicans could win 58 seats in the Senate. And again, this red wave, there's no telling how far it's going to go. The polls, whatever the polls tell you, we know you got to take it with a grain of salt because the polls always, always underestimate the Republican performance. But listen to this. Arizona's in play. Mark Kelly versus Blake Masters. That could make it 53. Colorado, New Hampshire uh, could go Republican. It's a long shot. That would be 54 and 55. And there's even a chance. It's not. If you look at the numbers, it's not out of reach. Vermont. Yes, Vermont, liberal, woke Vermont, Washington and Connecticut are all in play. So if, if the Republicans run the table, we're looking at 58 seats. Look, that's unlikely, but possible. But a scenario of 52, 53 states, Republican in the Senate, maybe 54, pretty likely. Now, many governor's races, which were supposed to be cakewalks for the Democrats, are now up for grabs. Not just New York. We're talking about Arizona. Carrie Lake may pull off a win. New Mexico, Michigan, Minnesota. So we're going to wait and see. All right. Uh, on to other news of the day. Steve Bannett has been convicted and sentenced to four months in prison. Steve Bannon has been uh, con- has been sentenced to four months in prison. Bannon going to jail for no other reason except he's friends with Trump. He refused to comply with a subpoena. Many people have refused to, to comply with a congressional subpoena. Many, many people, including Eric Holder, who was Barack Obama's attorney general. They never go to jail. They never so much as get indicted. But Steve Bannon is friends with Trump. He didn't he didn't want to testify at the bogus January 6th hearings. He's going to prison as a result, which is insane. Eric Holder refused to comply with congressional subpoenas to testify about the Fast and Furious scandal. Many, many times they tried to get him to come and he was held in contempt of Congress. It was the first time ever an attorney general was held in contempt of Congress, or I believe any any member of the cabinet was held in contempt of Congress. Probably the first and last time he did not go to jail. Rod Rosenstein who I know he was under Trump, but we know Rod Rosenstein was an establishment figure. He worked for Democrats. He refused to comply with Congress, you know, when they were, you know, when they issued subpoenas trying to get information about Spygate and Rosenstein stonewalled and refused again and again. Um, so many Democrats deserve to be indicted who committed real crimes. They don't go to jail. Only Republicans get indicted, whether or not they committed a crime or just because they know Trump, right? Look at General Flynn. Look at Roger Stone. Look at George Papadopoulos. Carter Page was wiretapped. Trump was impeached twice. Trump himself over nothing. And now Trump's children, right? <clears throat> Look at that. Trump's children have been charged with fraud by Letitia James in New York. Why? Because they, you, you think that like they review every tax filing. You think that they review the papers. We're talking about the Trump organization that supposedly committed the fraud. Of course, we don't know if they did or did not. But you think that the children, you think that Don Jr. and Ivanka are sitting there and reading through every tax filing? You really believe that they knowingly committed fraud, assuming that the the Trump organization is even guilty? And Carter Page was spied on, even though it was known 
that he was a CIA operative and that's why he was working with Russian officials. So uh, it, it's just it's completely disgraceful. I mean, they, they literally indict, convict and sentenced to prison. All these associates of Trump. But there are so many Democrats. Think about Andrew McCabe, who was referred for indictment, referred for indictment because he lied to investigators. Never got indicted. That was years ago by the inspector general. James Clapper lied to Congress. Um, the the FBI under Obama spied on Trump. The FBI spied on Trump. You're talking about Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, of course, you know, led by Comey. Andrew McCabe was very involved. Not a single indictment over Spygate, except for that lawyer, Kevin Kleinsmith, who was convicted on one count, pled guilty. No one's ever heard of the man. It's outrageous. Republicans get convicted. Democrats have nothing to worry about. Republicans don't commit crimes. They get convicted anyway. Denver, you know, you just subpoena them. They refuse to comply. Boom. We sentence them to jail. We want to, they want everybody to be terrified to ever uh, mess with the establishment or to ever support Trump. All right. Elon Omar. Elon Omar has been spending obscene amounts of money on her own private security firm. Yet Elon Omar tells us that we need to defund the police. Now, police are bad. Police are bad. You should not have police. Yeah, you're going to get, you know, be victimized by crime. Yeah, you might get violently attacked. Who knows what could happen? You might get shot. But we don't want the police. Don't ever call the police and let's defund the police. But make sure that Elon Omar is very well protected by her own private security firm. It's it's just outrageous. I mean, can you say hypocrisy? So Elon Omar spent thousands, thousands, according to the FEC, Federal Election Commission, right, Um in just August and September alone, this August, because obviously Elon Omar is running for re-election like every member of the House. So just this past August and September, Omar's campaign spent $27,000 on security services. No wonder she's defunding the police. She certainly has nothing to worry about. But it's unbelievable how these people spend over $100,000, $150,000 a year in, ca- in campaign donations for their own personal protection while telling us that we don't, that we lowly people, we don't deserve to be protected by, forget forget private security, by police departments. All right, and I need to mention this, of course, about Kanye West. I don't think we've addressed this. Kanye West, some sort of, you know, celebrity, some sort of musician, and I guess he then he branched out to a lot of other things. I honestly, I don't know much about him. I know he's, you know, officially conservative. I know he's a, a supporter of Trump. He's an African-American celebrity. And he's mentally ill. I mean, that's not something that's something he that it's a known thing. He admits to it. He he's bipolar and he has been making vicious, vicious anti-Semitic comments. I am not going to defend his comments have been I, I, I there are no strong. There are not strong enough words um, to describe the viciousness of his hatred of Jews and his anti-Semitism. And I'm not going to say, well, but he supports Trump. So I'm going to come up with some way to defend him. There is it is in defensible. He hates Jews. Okay. I mean, the things he's talked about, you know, Jews being in power and uh, just all sorts of things. I just, uh, you're not going to get into all the details now. You can find it out in many, many places, but he said really, really, you know, despicable uh, comments. And this is like stuff. He, he, it's it's like stream of consciousness. He's been just spewing it over and over again. And even when they asked him to apologize, he like doubled down and defended his comments and said that he wasn't wrong. And and apparently this has been happening for years. This is an ongoing trend. It's not like something he just woke up last week and decided. So but here's the problem. The problem is that the mainstream media, they're obsessing over Kanye. And yet people like Elon Omar, who we just mentioned, people like Rashida Tlaib, 
people like Al Sharpton and, and so many other anti-Semites, people like Farrakhan, so many anti-Semites on the left, somehow the media ignores. Somehow the media has no problem with anti-Semitism unless it's coming from a conservative, unless it's coming from somebody who supports Trump. I mean, it, it's bizarre. You literally have these like white supremacists who are like coming out in support of Kanye and, and saying we agree with Kanye's sentiments about the Jews. And I'm off on, I'm getting off on a tangent here for a second. Then we'll get back to the media. But like, how does that work? You're a white supremacist, but somehow you're in cahoots with Kanye West. How does a white supremacist who believes that whites are supreme to blacks and Jews, how does that happen? That they align? And the answer is because the, the, the most strange people will suddenly team up against the Jews. That's just how that works. But getting back to the, to the times and the mainstream media, it, it's unbelievable. It, it, it's so egregious. The double standard. Yes, Kanye's comments are horrible. I'm not discounting that in any way. I'm not minimizing that. But there are so many more anti-Semites on the left than there are on the right. I mean, I mean countless. If you look at the numbers, the number of anti-Semitic attacks, uh, you know, just the number of anti-Semites, period, on the, on the left versus on the right, there's, there's just an infinite, exponentially greater amount on the left than on the right, including, and they're very powerful. As I mentioned, Elon Omar, very influential. Um, Ocasio-Cortez has said very negative things about Israel and about Jews. Rashida, Rashida Tlaib, as I mentioned, Sharpton. And, 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 and it's okay, according to the New York Times, it's okay to be an anti-Semite as long as you're a Democrat. So am I defending Kanye? No. But we need to point out the hypocrisy of the mainstream media, and I'm sure we're not surprised. All right. A new poll shows that America, look, get this. According to a new poll, Americans believe that crime is up. Now, that is not a surprise. But what is interesting is that MSNBC says, well, why do Americans think crime is up? MSNBC says crime is not really up. It's a figment of their imaginations, but they're being manipulated by Republicans. You cannot make this stuff up. And I'm going to bring you the numbers here. I mean, as, the, as if there were any doubt, MSNBC quoted like one like random obscure statistic that could maybe be interpreted as, oh, crime is not as high as everybody thinks. Crime is up and crime is up around the country and mainly in Democrat cities and people. That's another reason that the red wave is coming. So and it's not a shock, by the way. We told you inflation is the number one issue for most voters. And and, and it's always like that. Whenever the economy is bad, that becomes the number one issue, as it should be, by the way, because, you know, more important than a lot of other issues out there, like how much it costs to purchase gas, to fill up your car, how much it costs to buy groceries. That is something that impacts every family every day. So it makes a lot of sense, you know, that that, that, that should be much more critical an issue with people voting on than other things. But crime is number two because people want to be safe, right? These, this is pretty obvious. Uh, healthcare is always up there also because that's also obviously another very big concern for people. But here's the thing. Um, MSNBC says it's only a myth that there's been a surge in crime Essentially, that voters are making it up. Meanwhile, uh, so I want to read you this poll here. According to a new Gallup poll, about 56% of adults reported an increase in crime where they live. 78% believe that crime has risen in the nation as a whole. Get that. That's an unbelievable statistic here. And that's going to hurt the Democrats big time, which is why MSNBC, which is basically a a spokesperson for the, you know, it's it's basically a mouthpiece for Democrats, is trying to say, no, don't worry, everybody. I, I know you think crime is up. It's just this myth, this hoax being perpetrated by Ron DeSantis and by Trump. But like crime is not really up. But this poll from Gallup, this is Gallup. Okay, this is not a a right wing poll. This is a left, a a mainstream media poll. Gallup is like one of the biggest polling um, 
companies in the country. And if anything, they slant left like all of them. Like, you know, but, but, but at the very least, it's in the middle. 78% believe that crime has increased in the nation as a whole. So 56%, which is a ton, say in, say crime has increased in my neighborhood. 56%. That, 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 that itself is staggering. But then, 78%. And, and again, the other 22% are, are just clearly living in a bubble, living in a cave, d- delusional. Like they'll never ever admit there's always going to be 20% or so of the country that is going to be in favor of whatever party they believe in. Like they're just going to ignore reality. That's always going to happen. I mean, even Biden, right? His approval rate, rating is extremely low, but it's higher than it should be. Um, so 78% believe crime in the nation is up. But it's all a big hoax. Well, here are the actual numbers. Not only is violent crime off the charts, but it is happening mainly in liberal cities with DAs that were funded by George Soros. We literally have the data. Okay, Uh, the the number of homicides has skyrocketed in the U.S. in the last two years. Homicide rates rose by about 10 percent in 50 of the most populated cities in the U.S. between the third quarter of last year, the third quarter of this year. So, again, between last year at this time and this year, homicides are up by, and they were already up by an average of nearly 10% in 50 of the most populated U.S. cities. And many, many of the cities, many of the cities with the highest rates of homicide have DAs that were supported, funded, that got into office thanks to, uh, socialist George Soros. Okay. So here are the 10 cities with the highest homicide rates. Per 100,000 residents from July through September, St. Louis, Kansas City, Detroit, Baltimore, New Orleans, Milwaukee, Memphis, Philadelphia, Norfolk and Chicago doesn't even include New York, by the way, even though New York City, of course, has woke Alvin Bragg as the D.A. Unless Zeldin becomes governor and he says he's going to fire Alvin Bragg. But Bragg also is fund was funded by Soros. But listen to this. The top prosecutors in most of those 10 cities were backed by Soros. They support abolishing bail, defunding the police and decriminalizing many criminal offenses in St. Louis, for example, Kimberly Gardner came under fire last year. She's the DA. She was, uh, again, supported by Soros. There were three murder cases that were dismissed in one week in St. Louis because prosecutors in her office did not show up for hearings or were unprepared. And her campaign website says, boasts that she has made jail and prison a last resort. That's always what you want to hear, what you want to see on a DA's website, is that we make jail and prison a last resort. Meanwhile, Larry Krasner, the DA in Philadelphia, another Soros-funded DA, during his tenure, Krasner has cut the future years of incarceration by in half and slashed the length of parole by nearly two-thirds. He also has made a priority of not prosecuting people who are illegally in possession of a gun unless they hurt or kill people. So if somebody illegally owns a gun, Larry Krasner in in Philadelphia does not prosecute them, does not charge them with any crime. That is his policy unless they hurt or kill someone. So listen, they have a, a, a gun illegally. I'm not talking about somebody who goes and gets a license and has a gun, gets the background check, has a gun legally. I'm talking about a gang member. I'm talking about somebody who's walking around, a criminal, a druggie, who has the gun illegally. We will not charge him with a crime until he hurts somebody. So let's wait for him to kill somebody, and then we're going to charge him with a crime. So crime is way up, and the reason is George Soros. But it's all a hoax, people. Don't worry. All right, a caller made the point. President Biden, we told you President Biden is unloading all these oil reserves from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. 
And a caller made the point, this, and, and Biden is doing it. It's a political stunt. It's a gimmick. He's doing it here pre-election. He's, he, he's unloading. He's releasing like 15 million more barrels of oil, which don't last very long. The United States uses that up in, in a matter of days. But uh, and apparently Biden, he announced that he was going to there are some gimmicks going on because he announced that he was going to be releasing the oil reserves uh, months ago because of the war w- with Putin and Ukraine. And uh, and now he's he's like still releasing them and announcing it now. But it really was something he already was planning. So it's not even going to help the markets bring down the price of oil, whatever. That's not the point. The point is and the caller made this point and he's right that it's a terrible idea for Biden to be. Uh, unloading the oil reserves when you have so much volatility right now around the world and the United States is so reliant on other countries for oil. You have Biden begging, begging the Saudis for oil and the Saudis saying, nope, sorry, no chance after you, after Biden insulted MBS and, and, and you know, repeatedly, then he's going to go and beg them for oil and they're going to say, well, like, what are you, like, what are you talking about? Why would we, why would we support you after everything you've done? After Biden has propped up Iran, allowed them to basically develop a nuclear weapon. So what Biden is doing here with the oil reserves is he's selfishly trying to help his own, you know, political career. And, 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 and in doing so, he's throwing the country under the bus as usual. So this is the, for the third time this year, let me read you the quotes here. Biden is releasing more oil from the strategic petroleum reserve. He's already depleted nearly half of the reserve, trying to save Democrats from a brutal defeat from this massive red wave that we told you was coming. And Biden has waged the jihad against oil companies from day one. So remember that Biden, his first act in office was he canceled the construction of the Keystone oil pipeline. Biden immediately prevented any new leases from oil and gas exploration on federal land because, you know, hey, he needs to save the planet. No president has ever tapped the oil reserves nearly as hard as Biden. The levels of the strategic petroleum reserve right now have not been this low since the Reagan era, and they've never been depleted as rapidly as Biden has depleted them. And you're going to tell me, well, Putin, Ukraine, no, the opposite. That's the very reason that you need to, we need to produce more oil. Biden needs to encourage oil companies instead of t- basically telling them that he's going to wage war on them. But you're telling me because of Putin and Ukraine and, 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 and the Saudis, that's the exact reason that we need to have these oil reserves intact because it doesn't help. It doesn't do anything. It only helps for a couple of days. So it's it's completely worthless. The amount that he's taken out is not helping any anybody in the country in terms of energy. It's not bringing down the cost. And even if it's bringing down the cost, that's not a good enough reason. It is there in case we're ever in a situation where we simply cannot obtain oil from outside from foreign countries. Simple as that. So the oil companies are refusing to, you know, the oil companies in America have basically been squashed by Biden. Saudis are refusing to produce extra oil. You cannot deplete our oil right now. That is the last thing you should do. And Biden's only doing it for his own selfish political motives and hurting the country. And if Trump did this, by the way, the Democrats, the media would go berserk because we are so dependent right now on other countries. We should be stockpiling every ounce of oil. And Biden is putting his own election agenda ahead of what's best for the country. That's a great point by the caller. Another caller asked me the following. Why am I so against uh, we told you that Boston University has been doing research on a very, very toxic and deadly coronavirus um, in Boston University funded by Dr. Fauci. I mean, they're trying to cover it up, but it was clearly funded by uh, what the NIAID, you know, the, Dr. Fauci's agency. And the question that was posed is, listen, there is research being done. We know that the U.S. government 
does do research on different viruses, on, you know, maybe on bioweapons, I don't know, but, you know, on on chemical weapons, for example, on nerve gases, you know, in addition to, uh, obviously, you know, nuclear weapons and missiles and all of that, but we know that the United States government, the, you know, we know that they do all sorts of experimentation on very dangerous things, including bioweapons. So the question was, you know, so why am I con- suddenly concerned about a virus do- being having research done, assuming that the, the lab is safe? Uh, why does that concern me? Because I am very concerned about that. And the answer is very simple. I, I like the question. I appreciate the question. But the answer is very simple. When you have the military, uh, you know, doing some sort of like high, there are two answers. But the main answer is when the military does some kind of high level research on bioweapons, on nerve gas, on, on you know, on, on toxic different, you know, different toxic uh, chemicals. Do you know the kind of security measures? The, you got to trust somebody, right? You're going to say, well, I don't trust anybody. Well, OK, they have nuclear weapons. So you want nobody to have a nuclear weapon? Putin has a nuclear weapon. Iran does. North Korea does. So we've got to have it too. So you got to trust the military. You got to hope that the military that they, you know they're doing they have extremely extremely you know high highly sensitive classification in terms of the material here and and in addition to that you know they do a they do a very very good job I think I'd like to believe of keeping it secure. Their security measures. You're talking about the highest security measures in the world or in the Pentagon and the military and, uh, you know, that type of research. So you got to trust somebody, the U.S. military, they're the ones who are keeping the secret safe and keeping these labs and these bioweapons and these chemicals, keeping them from escaping the lab and, and, and from the unthinkable happening. Now, now you have Boston University, Boston University. It's a college. Okay. It's a college. There's no, there's no, there's no military security there. These are like college professors. Okay, it's it's being funded by the U.S. government, but this is not the U.S. government doing this research. This is some college. You mean to tell me you trust the security at this lab? You have such faith in the security in this lab? This is some random lab. Who knows if there are professors walking around? Who knows if who knows who's walking through this lab? I, I understand they need to have some kind of background check, and I understand that they're careful supposedly, but who who knows? It's just a lab in a college, and you want them to put this dangerous coronavirus? You trust them to 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 be careful enough with this thing that this thing doesn't escape and cause another global pandemic. I mean, it, it makes absolutely no sense to me. Yeah, you're telling me, you know, the, the military, the Pentagon, the highest, highest levels of security uh, on the planet, that they, they are researching things. Listen, they, they are going to do their best, I hope. Could, could a leak happen? Is it a risk? Yes. But like, you got to trust somebody. They're the ones I trust. But to just have any random college go and have a lab. Well, our lab is secure. Well, who says your lab is secure? Who checked your lab? And, 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 and say, well, we're taking really good care of it. We're scientists. I don't trust these people for anything. And, uh, it makes absolutely no sense. The other answer is, by the way, I don't want any viruses. I don't want there to be any coronaviruses, even the military. You know, I'm okay with the military, uh, researching a bioweapon. You're talking about like nerve gas and stuff, because again, that's a localized thing. If, if they release nerve gas somewhere in, in to a group of people, whatever the reason may be, that's not going to go and then spread to other people. Uh, this virus is so dangerous because it's so contagious. It literally, if it gets out, it spreads and spreads and spreads, as we saw with COVID. So just because the military, I don't think the military, I see no logical reason why we need to be ever researching and having viruses in a lab that are contagious. There might be some good reason. You know, they're going to tell you, well, we need it because it helps us learn how what the antidotes are, what the treatments are, et cetera. I, I'm not buying it. I don't think so. Yeah, the military does have um, bioweapons, but I think those bioweapons, even if they get released, I don't think they're going to be able to spread throughout the world and do heavy, heavy damage. Um, all right. We had other stuff to get to. I guess we'll leave this story till next time. Really interesting story 
A new study by a very liberal climate group says that hardly any plastic gets recycled. The plastic that supposedly is getting recycled in the U.S. is not getting recycled. Almost no plastic. The, a tiny, tiny percentage of the plastic that we are told is getting recycled and we have to sort through and put it in the special recycling and get a ticket. Well, it's actually not being recycled. So that's the recycling hoax. We're going to leave that till next time. That's going to do it for today. And we will see you next time.